Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Today we're honored to have special guest Ben Ivey, aka the Fulfillment Expert. Ben is a podcast host, speaker, and coach at Entrepreneur Lifestyle, where he helps overstressed and overworked entrepreneurs stop waiting and start living their dream lifestyle. He's been featured on TEDx, Good Morning La La Land, and more. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, before we get uh, started and dive in, I'd love to just know where it all started for you. Oh, sure. Well, uh, <laughs> there's many ways I can answer that question. <laughs> um, so I, I assume the entrepreneurial journey. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, yeah. I love to just ask it and leave it open and let people tell their story. So, all right, yeah, cool. that well, sounds I, good. <laughs> let, let me go back to uh, when I was selling chocolates at school nice. and uh, that was when I first started to learn about uh, the law and that I wasn't allowed to do that uh, unfortunately I was having all these <laughs> one pound coins in my in my locker at school and uh, the, the teacher was asking you know Ben what are you doing and I was like oh no yeah, nothing I was um, upselling Freddo's uh, I'm not sure we've got Freddo's in the US but they're yeah. about 10p they're, they're like a tiny little chocolate bar and uh, I was selling them for 20p it was, it was a good 100% Marker. Nice. That was my first uh, entrepreneurial uh, journey that was unfortunately shut down after a good two weeks of selling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then from there, I think I've always uh, had the, the entrepreneurial spirit as such. Uh, well, when I was at university, I was setting up um, a sports bag company. I've done different ventures. Um, from that, I've run an app in, in, in Silicon Valley, so mm -hmm. nearby you as well. I was based in Soho. So I, I've done a fair amount of things. And then it, it wasn't really until I started to uh, burn out myself and go down this uh, spiral that things started to change. So uh, I was based in, uh, like I said, Silicon Valley, and I started to see people who were taking breaks on the weekend. And I was like, those lazy, lazy, lazy people. How could mm -hmm. they possibly take a break? I, I genuinely was in the mindset of working 24-7. It's about literally hustling and hustling and hustling. And uh, I then had a, um, a very life-changing moment where I ended up losing my father to suicide. And that was uh, completely game-changing. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I saw him the day before. He was my best friend. And it was such a crazy turn of events where I realized, you know, what am I really doing with my life? So I ended up quitting my business and I started to go on a journey to research about what is it that really matters to us in life? Like, why do we do what we do? So I started to teach neurolinguistic programming out in China. I started to learn from Tony Robbins. I did as many different courses as I could, literally hundreds of courses from the US to China, UK, to be able to gain some skills, to be able to help people. And it's there that I started to optimize myself, started working with entrepreneurs and ultimately help them to live a great lifestyle whilst they boost their business success. Wow. That's such a touching story. And I'm really sorry to hear about your father. I can't imagine what going through that was like. Um, yeah, I mean, so you said you had like a, I guess, a conversation with your father before everything happened. What was that last conversation like? So it would genuinely be the exact same conversation you'd have with a friend in the pub. How you would in that conversation was literally the same thing. And it was, it was an incredible shock because it, it made me realize that as entrepreneurs, it's very easy for us to create these parallel worlds, uh, one which people see and one which is a reality. And very often we, we don't let people in. And I, I think it's an incredibly challenging 
circumstance to be in because as an entrepreneur, you need to be positive. And <laughs> whenever I ask any entrepreneur when they get on calls with me, I say, how's it going? Oh, amazing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how's it really going? Like, actually, you know, be real, have a conversation with me. And uh, I think that there's this view that entrepreneurs have to always have things together and you must always move things forward. And I think that the challenge there, especially nowadays with what we've been going through, it's incredibly isolating, which, which causes entrepreneurs to really hide what's going on from the outside world and they don't get the support they need to be able to move forward. I think you're definitely right. I was in a group that um, like when COVID first happened, we all were very open with each other and we just kind of, we spoke a lot and that helped a lot to kind of open the door, but yeah, you, you get back into life and you really easily just go to, especially when you like, you try to keep a focus on a positive mindset and on moving in the right direction. And it's so hard to do that. And at the same time, sometimes have like that real conversation that really matters. Um, yeah, and I am. Um, I, I really agree with what you're saying. I think that the the challenge there is being the ever growing optimist as an entrepreneur and staying on track, whilst also having the vulnerability to have a deep, meaningful conversation with a few people and those around you. And by no means am I saying to all your employees, tell them yep. you know the issues that are going on, the challenges. But having some key people around you, I think, is incredibly important who can genuinely understand what you're going through. Because I found from the people that I work with that the more successful they are, the more isolated they often feel. Well, yeah. So how do you, um, how do you open up like that? Even though I guess when it's close people, like what is the, what is that conversation that you have? And do you like, do you take like a mental break from just like the, the day to day to like have that conversation with them? Or? Well, I, I think when we, when we look into entrepreneurs who are listening, who, resonate with this i think the most important thing is to just have an open honest conversation with people yeah and say you know what yeah business is not going well at the moment i was hit by a surprise as i'm sure other people were and this is what i'm doing and this is what's happening it's having that conversation saying you know right now my my health is deteriorating i'm not doing great and and having that conversation and also having help on your journey when we hear about these self-made millionaires and these self-made men, the truth is no one's self-made. Everyone has mm-hmm. had two people create them. Everyone has support on their journey. There's no one that's just left alone and suddenly they become this multi-millionaire. They have all these resources and people around them. And I think it's incredibly important to be able to lean on the right people, to have the right people to support you to ultimately get towards where you need to be. And one of the biggest challenges I see is that as entrepreneurs, I see people so focused on this destination, they often miss the journey that is entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's so much along the way that just you learn and yeah, if you don't take a moment to like sit back and reflect on where you are and where you've grown to, it's really easy to just get sidetracked and lose focus and yeah, forget what's important. So, I mean, I guess in terms of like what's important for you, right? Like yeah, I mean, I, I want to talk a little more about your dad. I just, I feel sure, like uh, no one's, like, I, I guess when I've listened to other podcasts, no one's really asked you about him. Like, I'd love to know more of just yeah, like of who he was and, you know, what he did and, you know, how he, uh, how he helped make you who you are. Yeah. 
Sure. He was absolutely ridiculous. He was one of my favorite people ever. Honestly, and I feel that some of the best ways to, to, to really encapsulate his personality is to describe stories. So I remember sitting in a restaurant with my family, posh restaurant, you know, four or five star hotel, we're sitting there and he comes over the balcony of the restaurant. He's got a ladder up the top and then climbs through with everyone watching. And he's got a pirate hat on with like a knife in between his teeth and like, oh, mateys. And, and it's just like, <laughs> like genuinely, utterly ridiculous. And I think that this is where, when I think of my uh, extroverted self and I think of myself, for example, on stage, and uh, I'm not sure if you've been able to, to watch any of my videos when I'm speaking, but I'm often ridiculous. I get people to do different things. And I think that that definitely um, resonated with me a lot. And I think that the other side of things is that when I look at someone like Robin Williams, someone mm -hmm. who makes everyone laugh, is a true giver, and what happened to him, I often relate my dad to that because I think people can really resonate with what that type of character is, someone that can genuinely make anyone laugh. And for me, it was the, the fact that he had such a big heart. We'd go on holidays and he'd bring flashing ice cubes, right? It sounds so small, but genuinely the, the smiles that would put on children's faces as he would just hand them out completely for free, like expecting nothing in return, but just being like a giver and just sharing. And we'd go on holidays like the hot something, like the hotel is literally litten up with all these flashing ice cubes in different places. The manager's coming over being like, what are you doing? Uh, can I get one for my children? And it, it was just like and, and and I think that that really inspired me and he was an entrepreneur himself and mm -hmm. and I think that when I look back at, at the challenges that the, the he faced I, I think everyone has their, their internal demons and I think that you know, he, he was challenged with drugs there was challenged with um, my, my parents got divorced when I was uh, 15 and I think that there's there's always that challenge of whenever someone is divorced of being able to see children and managing their own relationships and I think that there was a lot on, on, on his plate, as, as with any man, I think, when they uh, go through divorce and relationships and children. And I think ultimately, I feel incredibly blessed to have spent the time that I did with him. And yeah. I think that when you can turn the best, the worst day of your life into the best, that's really when you take control. And for me, after that, that is really when I started living my life. And I've been able to help people who are suicidal. And I've had a conversation with someone who had a billion dollar company lost everything. Uh, you know, his best friend stole his private jet, wife had an affair, like all these challenges. It's, uh, it's incredibly profound and fascinating to be able to help those people. Yeah. What do you do with someone when they come to you in that like, I can't imagine having everything and losing it all and all not just being like money, but everything. Like, yeah. how do you, how do you have that conversation with somebody? Sure. Well, when, when I was having the conversation with him and um, I'm not sure, have you ever been to a Tony Robbins event? I have not. I, I need to go. I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. start. I'll come to one of yours first. Once we <laughs> back up and then I'll do. Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds good. If you come to mine, I'm not sure if you want to go to Tony's, but so, yeah. So back to this, uh, <laughs> this Tony event. So uh, I'm there, there's you know, thousands of people and yep. it's in um, one of those stadiums that you have a concert. So you, you've got these three tier levels. And as you walk through, you've got these huge walls on either side. And what was happening is that I was having a conversation with this guy. He's in his late 50s. We've, he's a volunteer. We've been chatting. Just literally such a fun dude. We've been mm -hmm. laughing. And I'm, I'm sharing what I do. And he turns and looks to me and he says, yeah, Ben, I'm suicidal. 
And I'm thinking, what? Like, how? Like, what is going on? And he tells me a story. And then for me, I go through a simple process of, you know, understanding, you know, when was that first time and helping them move forward. And when I work with someone like that, there's, there's different techniques to use to help people move out of suicide ideation. The, the key thing is to be able to give someone a compelling future, because what often happens is that as humans, we have something called an externally linked identity. What I mean by this is we value who we are with the external things, the value of our business, the title we have of CEO, the amount of employees that we have. And what happens is if we are tied to that and we value who we are with that, suddenly when we lose everything, we lose ourselves. So when I'm working with someone like that, it's figuring out what do you still have? Like, what is it that makes you you? And suddenly people are not looking for something that they've done or something that they have, but they're looking for their essence of who they're actually being. Because they're a human being, not a human doing. And ultimately, when you leave this life, you've got nothing. You come into it with nothing. But when you leave and you have nothing, do you actually have nothing? Or have you had experiences, network, people, connections, memories you've had on the way? And the key thing, really, if I were to knuckle it down into one thing, is to move someone from that space into gratitude and being grateful for where they are. And when, when I have someone like that, and, and we worked together for a year, it was amazing. Uh, and when he was sharing with me, um, near the end, he was saying, Ben, I was so grateful for the experience because it's made me the man I am today. And I think that when you speak to successful people who've had a business and then lost everything, then rebuilt it, they will speak of the losing it as one of the best things because it helps them reevaluate themselves as they start to move forward in a different way. amazing i'm like yeah like shook up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's gonna be what you'll feel when you uh, when you come to one of the events <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so i guess changing gears a little bit like um tell me about what uh being a fulfillment expert means to you and what you enjoy most about this Sure. Well, for me, when I look into fulfillment, and I, I got into fulfillment for, for an incredibly long time, and when I look into being fulfilled as, as a human, there are these core elements that I think are very important. And when I think about creating fulfillment for someone in their life, it's not like I have this game plan of this is what they expect. Instead, it's creating a tapestry and they are the painter and we create what they want for their life to create uh, fulfillment. And often with entrepreneurs, when I look at their ideal lifestyle, what I'm looking at is what lifestyle do they want to live on their journey? Not at the end of it, but how do they want to live throughout? Because the truth is you spend 99% of your time on the journey anyway, and you get to the destination, you spend like a minute there, and then you end up setting another goal, and then you're on the journey again. So how do you really live that you know, incredible lifestyle as you move forward? So fulfillment, there are, there are different factors involved in that. I think that when I look into those, those elements, we've got purpose, we have, um, for example, the Grant study. This was the longest study ever done on happiness. Uh, you know, $20 million started in 1938, 75 years. And they said that all of this could be summed up in five words. You know, happiness is love, full stop. 
So having love, having connections is incredibly important. And ultimately, you know, mastering this monkey mind that we have, or in reaction and survival, looking for things that are wrong. It's incredibly important. And then, you know, one of the last elements that I think is incredibly profound is giving and contributing above and beyond yourself. And you see people who move into this and suddenly their life has so much more depth because they know that having an impact that goes beyond money and words and time, but truly you know, having that impact on a larger scale. Wow. So it sounds almost like you're, you're working with, like, I guess when I, when I hear like what you're sharing, right. And I hear how you're sharing when you're working with someone that's, that's in a suicidal place or when you're working with an entrepreneur, it sounds like the foundation and like the structure is somewhat similar that, you're kind of helping them understand where they are and then separating them from like their mental health even and like their perspective, right? And then kind of shifting what that perspective is that they want to, like yeah. where, they, where they want to aim to. Sure. I mean, I, I think at, at the end of the day, whether someone is suffering with suicide, mm -hmm. depression, they're stressed, they just get annoyed from time to time. It's actually a very similar human pattern. It's just to the extent as to what we experience it as. So when I'm working with someone, it's, it's, it's understanding what the, the common human patterns that we have and then figuring out how do I help this person to get to where they want to be. And it's not like I have an agenda, but it's figuring out how does, depending on where this person is, what resource, tool, technique can I use to help them make massive progress to really walk towards where they want to be? Cool. And, um, okay. So as I look at that, I, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think like, so it's like, it's incredible to me, like the, the amount of knowledge that you have, especially from like a psychological perspective, you don't have that like training and background from like a, a university. So tell me about like, how that transformation happened going from like economics into yes. like you, you shared right and you and you shared a lot on like how you made the change why you made the change why it's so important but like where did it start did it start by just jumping right into a tony robbins program or sure. were there other things and you said like a lot of other classes you've taken in china and everywhere along the way how does that transformation happen for you Sure, sure, sure. That, that, that's a fantastic question. I often get asked that because I, I look quite young. Uh, it's obviously the face cream. And uh, <laughs> people do ask me you know, how, how I've managed to do this from having no university background. And when I look into university, right, if someone's got a psychological degree in, in the nicest way possible and for all those out there, you know, does that really give you a foundation of what works in real life or is it theory? And I think that's where people gain experience, right? So when everything happened, the first thing I did is uh, I actually went to China. And when I went to China, I was looking for a way to be able to find myself, find out what happened to my dad and, and figure things out. And uh, I went on Airbnb because you could still use Airbnb, I'm like now. And uh, <laughs> I managed to find someone who is a master NLP practitioner. So NLP is neuro-linguistic programming, uh, the patterns of the mind, how things work. And I thought, this is fantastic. I could learn off this guy and start to move things forward. So as an avid reader previously, I was obviously reading and uh, learning in a lot of books. And I think books have so much knowledge that people often don't really take in. And I think that 
I was genuinely focused on growth, being an avid learner through that time. So I'm learning all this knowledge and I, I go live with him. Suddenly I start teaching NLP with him and I'm, I'm, I'm learning from a master. This is fantastic. And I'm starting to do courses. And then I start out teaching some productivity because I was nailing productivity in Silicon Valley. Trust me, when you work 24-7, you know what productivity is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then, then after that, I started helping people with a bit of uh, public speaking. I did some public speaking courses. I remember doing an internet marketing course. I did um, some various self-development events. So I went to the Millionaire Mind Intensive Becker. I went to the Power to Achieve Andy Harrington. I started to seek resources, events, and people and experiences that would give me a different insight. So I would go to these events, I'd see speakers, and I'd start to pick together what they were saying and what was working. And I remember as I was going through that, one of the challenges I had that I thought was overwhelming is that there's so many people with different perspectives who are both experts and it drove me insane and the reason I say that is you know keeping it simple someone says blueberries are great someone says blueberries are bad who do you Mm -hmm. believe they're both experts and that was really challenging to me and as I started to go on this journey I said to myself I do not want to learn from anyone who's average and the example that I give is if you want to learn football you don't come and learn it off me you learn it off Messi you learn off someone who's genuinely very very good and excellent at their craft so when I looked into that I wanted to gain skills in a variety of different areas that would enable me to help someone so what I didn't want and I see a lot of people that do this is they learn a box of techniques. They, they learn something from a box and then they apply that box to a human. What I wanted was to know all the boxes. And it, obviously it's impossible to know all the boxes in depth, but to understand what is the most effective tool to help someone. And I had two criteria in the quickest and most sustainable way possible. So when I looked at some of the stuff that Tony did on stage, I was like, great, he's done four decades. Let me learn that, model that. That sounds great. So I learned some stuff of him. And then started learning things off claim and dance. I then did suicide um, training to be able to figure out when someone is suicidal, what do I do? Because I, I wanted to be able to help someone with that for me personally. I don't do it as much now, but I wanted to have those skills. So if someone comes to me, I can be like, yeah, I can help you. And yeah, I've had incredibly um, challenging moments w- w- within that. I mean, when you have someone on the phone who's like, yeah, I want to kill myself, that's actually quite a scary moment. Um, to, to have and then you know there's other people you know optimizing their lives and their business and there's things around that and i i really think that through that experience and ultimately working with people has helped me figure out what works and one of the key things that i actually think helped solidify all my knowledge was uh, four years ago i had someone come up to me and they said ben i love seeing you on stage i love what you do i want to do what you do teach me and i said hell no do you have any idea how long it would take me to teach you this? Absolutely not. Right? So, so, so I don't think they were expecting that answer. And, uh, three months later, I, I, I took it in and I was like, it would be lovely if I could you know, train people to, to do what I do and actually do this. So it took me you know, three months after that, so six months from, from when the guy spoke to me. And I started to solidify the toolbox of techniques that I use. Because I've done a lot of training and what I wanted was what are the best tools that I have learned that really create changes in people's lives. So I created that toolbox and I started having videos of me and getting permission of clients to be able to film. And then I'd go through the video, I'd say what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And I would uncover what I was also doing unconsciously. Because I can be consciously aware of a lot of things, but there's actually stuff unconsciously that I'm not aware of that if I can teach someone helps them become more aware of it. Because 
they haven't had my experience of modeling different teachers and I wanted to give them that. And then uh, it basically took me a year to certify my first person. It was amazing. And now I've nailed it down to six months because I've, I've got the tools, the resources in place. And now I feel that when, when someone comes to me and they say, look, Ben, I want to do what you do. I'm like, cool. Yeah, I've done TEDx public speaking training. I'll make you an amazing speaker, amazing coach. You're good to go. And that was pretty much the journey that I've been on uh, as, a, as a little lump sum. Cool. So tell me more about like the, uh, the process and like your, your system. Is it, what makes it like this unique system? And, um, yeah. How do you, um, how do you apply it and teach it to, uh, to fellow coaches? Sure. So when someone comes to me and they say they want to you know, learn to do coaching or they want to learn to influence someone, very simple. I give them what I consider the little Bible of all the different techniques that I use. So mm-hmm. they understand the knowledge and they get the theory and then uh, you know, they've got like various um, audio recordings explaining them. And then I show them how to use it. Because what I dislike more than anything is having a, <laughs> having a technique and not seeing it in practice and seeing it used. So I wanted them to be able to, to experience that. So anyone's like, I don't have video, they can experience it. I give them that so they, they can actually understand what it's like. And that way they've got that. And then through the videos and through the different toolbox, I have all these techniques that someone uses. So now when someone comes to you and they say, oh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. You're like, okay, great. You try something, it doesn't work. Cool. It's not meant to work 24-7. Like you're, you're not perfect. And that's where they've got all these other techniques they can use. And I think from that, it's been amazing to see the difference that they make. So when someone says, you know, um, yeah, let's say I can't work with them and I offer them to my trainer, they say, how good's your trainer? I can genuinely say with complete congruency, this trainer is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because they've gone through the training. I've, I've seen them work with mentees. I, I have them do that straight away. I suppose that's different is that I get them to start working with people straight away. And the reason why I do that is they can get feedback on their language, what they do, how they do it, and they can just start the journey to move it forward. And I think that's, that's really, really cool. So they can actually gain the experience as opposed to just knowing the knowledge. Cool. So I'd love to, uh, to do like a scenario with you. Um, sure. And it's really weird because like, this last weekend was like the perfect example, you know, and it was before I like even had a chance to like research you and like do any, do anything. I, I like, I launched two clients websites and like two, like two new like platforms and stuff on Friday, everything seemed perfect, good to go. And then, you know, it's always after everything signed off after you're good to go something goes wrong and like one thing happens and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just work tonight and like make this happen, fix it. And this way it'll be good to go on Saturday. And so that was the mentality going into the weekend and it happened Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Mm -hmm. right? Then you go into Monday morning, you know, with like something that's still sitting there, like, you know, it's not a big issue, but it's still something that's like, well, now I didn't plan to be ready for the next week. And you kind of like, you're in this space, right? Yeah. Of, you know, overwhelm. I'm sitting here, I'm trying to figure out how do I do this? Where do I go? You know, like, how do I fix it now? Cause like, if I, if I tried to just stop it on Friday, then I would have gone into the weekend and been too worried about it to try to leave it for two days. And if I didn't do that, right then I would have, you know, ended up where I'm at now. So yeah, what would, uh, how do I fix it? 
Sure. So, uh, first of all, I love the, I love the question for those listening. This is a guide to a guy, right? Yeah. Looking to fix my problem, and I just want to just want to share that because I think it's really important. When a lady does the same thing, just just as a feedback, just listen. But for a guy, you want to fix it. So, yeah. the, the, <laughs> so, so there's a few different things here. The the first um, question I have for you is that on Friday, how important is it for these things to actually be completed on a scale of one to ten? Yeah. So, um, it's a good question. I want to say that it's a 10 or like okay. a nine, right? Cause it's okay. like, you know, you made the commitment, you said it's good to go, you have it happen. And then okay. like after it, right. That's now it's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. So my question to you would be this, right? What's done is done. How would, how could you make it so that could never ever happen to you again? Yeah. Um, I think the, the first thing probably is don't do a launch on a Friday, right? <laughs> so you have the rest of the week. Um, second probably is really specific to the issues that were at hand, right? Mm-hmm. Probably a better, better QA process up front would have okay. identified it earlier on. Okay. And I'm just curious, let's say both of those didn't work mm-hmm. and a scenario like that happened again. How would you want to handle it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, sometimes you do have these things happen, right? Where you don't have a choice, you kind of have to go into something. Okay. I'm just going to pause you briefly because this is genuinely what I do. And I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to be as authentic or honest. What we yeah. often do with our problems is we say you. And the reason why we say you is it actually disassociates ourselves from the problem. We don't actually truly own it. So for those listening as well, often when we complain and uh, we share and when we've got our issues and uh, this, this happens so often and uh, then someone will say, you know, Ben, you know what it's like when you're facing this challenge and you, you, you want to take it on, but you feel like this. And mm-hmm. it's actually a, a, a very small, subtle change, but it genuinely does make a big, big difference about um, owning it. So uh, please, you know, carry on about what what you're saying using I. Interesting. Okay. All right. So, wow. Now I lost my train of thought. So, so <laughs> <laughs> pattern interrupt. I believe yeah, yeah. you were saying something about how you would deal with things uh, in a different way if that wasn't. So let me, let's say that was to yeah. happen again. How would you want to deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I think I have to own it up and I still need to, to tackle the issue. But I think something that I need to do differently is um, more of like an upfront look at something before really signing off and saying, this is ready to go. Cool. Um, I yeah. just have one more question. And yeah. that is this, um, when it comes to our lives, very often you know, something will happen and we think, oh man, this sucks. I remember there's this story of um, uh, a farmer. And his farmer is, uh, so, so he is, uh, he's an older dude. He's probably in his 70s. And he's got a, a, a younger uh, grandson. Mm-hmm. And they have this farm. And the grandsons work incredibly hard because the, the, the father pre- pretty much can't, can't, or the grandfather can't really do much anymore. And one day, right, a horse arrives on their farm and they just think, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. This is the best thing ever. There's a horse. And you know, some people from the village come around and they're like, I can't believe you just got a horse. Like, what is this? This is a miracle. This is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And the grandfather says, yeah, maybe. 
literally two weeks later, the horse jumps the electric fence and runs away. And everyone's like, oh my God, how could God do this to you, right? He gives you a horse and he takes it away. Like, how could that is the worst thing that could ever happen to you? I mean, that's the worst thing ever, right? And the grandfather says, oh yeah, maybe. A week later, like, people couldn't believe it, right? Three horses arrived. He came back with two other horses. There was a brown horse, a black horse, and a white horse. Like, they genuinely couldn't believe it. This is unreal. Literally, the entire village has now come to this farm thinking, there is a savior or someone here. This is the best thing that has ever happened to you. Right? And what do you think the grandfather said? Maybe. Maybe. Because the very next day, his son, his grandson was playing with the horses, and he fell off. And he broke both of his legs. And he was disabled. And the village came around and said, you know, you've got these horses, but now you're going to have to go back to work. You know, you're in your 70s. How much can you do this? You've got to look after a disabled child. Like, this is, this, there, there is no good in this. This is terrible. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Once again, the grandfather said, maybe. A week later, the entire country went to war. And they recruited all the young men in the village who were able to fight. And they were going to lose this. They, they were outnumbered 10 to 1, but there was a dictator running it. So they had to say goodbye to all of their friends and family, all the young children, apart from his son, because he was disabled. And the village came around and they said, this is the best thing that could ever happen to you. And you'll never guess the grandfather said maybe. <laughs> and very often in our lives, maybe things aren't uh, as important as we think they are. And often when we look into our lives, we think five years down the line, is this really going to matter? And I remember doing you know, a self-development course that I thought was the most important thing on holiday. And all I remember about the holiday is the self-development course. And there's times where we often have these extremities. And my question is, maybe things don't have to be a 10. Maybe they could just be like a six or a seven. Well said. Well said. I love it. Cool. So, um, yeah, we got a chance to talk about your system. Um, you know what I would love to know is who is the Ben that no one knows? The Ben, you know, behind the scenes when you're not on stage. Oh, when I'm not on stage, I'm ridiculous. I've got a mini trampoline here. I was dancing on it. I was having so much fun. I was doing outreach today with uh, popping music on. I like doing some street dance. It's great fun. I, um, I really enjoy reading. I actually love gaming. Gaming is something that I've... I've it's, it's funny. I, I definitely have um, an, an addictive personality in that I really like to be able to do things properly. Um, what I mean by that is that when I want to help someone, I genuinely want to give my all the help them. When I'm, I'm going through books, I often read trilogies. Like I, I genuinely like the immersion. So <laughs> what tends to happen is I get a game and I think, I'm going to dominate this game. And suddenly I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing this game all the time and it's a tiny, just childish little game, but obviously it's created. Uh, and and you know, I've created games before, so I understand how it's created with like white hat and black hat of these push and pulls. And there's mm -hmm. a variety of things there. So yeah, that's something that I'm aware of. I like chocolate brownies. I, I think there's loads of stuff <laughs> that, that, that people may not know about me but i think that the most important thing is just to be yourself and yep. whether or not that's in a professional standpoint or a personal standpoint but the most important thing for me is having fun yeah definitely i uh i call uh what you're talking about being like a a uh, game monogamist where i like i'll play one <laughs> game at a time and that's it like it just that's the game you know you can't talk to me about other ones because that's the one i'm playing Yes. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. But same thing, even like work, I totally hear you. And with client work, 
it's really easy to put your energy in because you want to get them to the same place that you want for them, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you're also like, you have like an, a vetted interest in it. You or no. I, just curious. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So yeah, no, definitely I, but I feel like you probably do as well, right? Like you, so. So I agree completely with what yeah. you're saying. The only difference that I say is that, and, and, and I, I genuinely think this is actually really profound, and I talk to people about this, is about lifestyle principles. Yeah. So what I mean by that is that I care about my clients a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. and I will do loads for them, but I'm also not going to start to do stuff at five, and, I, and, and I'll give an example. I have clients all over the world, which means when my phone's on, people can just message me at like 3 a.m. because it's, it's like China, or they're in the U.S., and they can message me whenever. And I remember waking up one morning, I turn over, I look at my phone and I just get this message saying, oh, Ben, I'm feeling awful. This has happened, this shit, blah, blah, blah. Literally just um, as if an energy sucking vampire in the morning is just tearing out my soul. And obviously I don't mean that for a client because I'm there to help them. But yep. that's not the first thing that I want to deal with when I wake up in the morning. So <laughs> I, I came up with these lifestyle principles. And that is that what are the boundaries that I have that no matter what happens, these do not get crossed. So for example, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not doing any work. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to do diddly squat until I've looked after myself. I've stretched. I've done my routines. I've looked after my body. I've spent some time with my wife. I've chilled out. Then I'm going to do some work. And when we look into the weekends, for example, I'm not going to spend the entire weekend working no matter what is going on. And I actively choose to not put myself in a position that could cause that. And, and I think that once again, that's taking responsibility because I've done it before and I've put myself in those scenarios and it's figuring out how do you have that balance? I'm not saying that I don't work on weekends from time to time. There are times that you have to, but the difference is not that overworking and then forcing yourself to go back on Monday. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So, um, so what's your biggest challenge right now as you look forward at your business over the next year? So the, the, the biggest challenge in my business when this year started was that I am great offline, but online I really didn't do very much. And the reason why that worked for me is because I would travel every month or so to different places, like we were chatting about before the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I would go to China, I'd go to LA, and when people would see me speaking in person, they'd be encapsulated, I could say whatever. They'd just say, Ben, I, I want to work with you. Like, gen- genuinely, it was like that because I, I'll cry on stage. I'm incredibly... Um, charismatic when I speak about stories and various different things and people resonate with that. The challenge with online is that the branding had to be different and I had to change it. So one of the things that I did this year, and you mentioned to begin with, is the fulfillment expert. I actually previously branded myself as the fulfillment artist to be able to help people with that artist, uh, artistry of their life and create that fulfillment. And I pivoted to entrepreneur lifestyle because I really think that's what I've been doing for a long time, but I wanted to change the name that would resonate with people more online. So ultimately for me, it's being able to consistently impact people online in the same way that I did offline. And I'm telling you now, this is a huge challenge because I've done so many different Zoom workshops and events recently. I still have not nailed it. And what I mean by that, and I don't think I ever will because I don't feel the same impact wise as when someone is in front of me. Mm -hmm. And that's from the speaking side of things. Coaching, it's absolutely fine. I can coach on video, I can coach on that. But from a speaking standpoint, 
when I feed off the energy of the audience, that's genuinely an incredibly big challenge. And you know, I teach TEDx speaking, I've done a lot of public speaking, but that this is still something that I have not nailed, I'm working on it. And I'm not sure if I ever will get to where I want to be with it, um, purely because it's just not the same, no matter how many emojis and what I do with my background and, and <laughs> you know, how, I can, how I can come across, I can stand up, I can hold a mic, I can do stuff, but it's, yep. it doesn't have the, the same impact that I want it to. So basically for me, it's, it's playing around with that to really move things forward and, and just make things uh, more sustainable. Definitely. Cool. And um, coming out of this conversation, if you could make everyone in the world do one thing differently from now on, what would that one thing be? Fun. Just go have more fun. And I genuinely mean this because I think there's so many people that will say, you know, work harder, work smarter, do this, do that. People work so bloody hard. It's a joke. And and honestly, it's unreal. And I think that with the information overload that we have and that we're constantly being overrided with the sensory data. And yeah, I watched the social dilemma recently. It's a great, um, great one on Netflix talking about how the algorithms affect us. And we really don't know what our own realities are. I would hundred percent say, go have fun, relax, go out in nature away from screens and actually connect with other people. Um, I think that's one of the best things we need now more than ever. Definitely. And um, yeah. And now how would an entrepreneur know when they should be reaching out to you? They'll know. I mean, in, in, in the <laughs> nicest way, like a, yeah. an entrepreneur listening will know. And if they don't, if, if, if they, they wouldn't be at this point if they didn't know, right? Yeah. Obviously, they'd have just left and been like, this isn't for me. So <laughs> if you're still listening, yeah, maybe there's something of value here for you. I'm sure I've got resources or something to send you your way. But I think ultimately it's knowing that as an entrepreneur, you're constantly growing and optimizing. No one has it all figured out. I'm the first one to put up my hand. I don't have it all figured out. I've got a ton of tools. I can help a lot of people. There's still things I'm optimizing. And I think that if you're an entrepreneur and you want to be able to optimize yourself and you feel that you could use some different perspectives to help you move forward so that you can boost your business, have a great lifestyle, maybe do things differently. I think that's ultimately when having a conversation could be beneficial. Yeah. Great. And uh, where can people go to learn more? Sure. So they can go to my website. So ben-ivy.com. So I-V-E-Y. And then they can look me up on social media. So Ben Ivy, once again, I-V-E-Y, I'm not a plant. And they can check me out on uh, the uh, Entrepreneur Lifestyle podcast. So that's Entrepreneur Lifestyle with Ben Ivy. I'm interviewing a variety of different people, uh, talking about lifestyle, business, and how do you manage both. So that's some really inspiring guests. But yeah, reach out. I'm more than happy to, to have a conversation and help you on your journey. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Ben. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you on again in the future. Amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I think you've been an amazing host, amazing questions, and I look forward to connecting soon.